Super Bowl week. Super Bowl week. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Media Row. We are live on Media Row, and our coverage on Media Row is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings as we are here surrounded by all the media in town covering a game that, to be perfectly honest with you, and this is not to minimize it. We, it it's going to be a big deal for us at some point. But honestly, Gambo, we've had so much going on this week, I feel like we've hardly talked about the Super Bowl because we've got the NBA trade deadline tomorrow. The Suns are frequently mentioned right. as a team that could get involved. Matt Ishbia today, the Cardinals are still looking for a head coach. It's like, oh, yeah, Super Bowl 57 between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. That's coming up in a Wait, few who's days. playing? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia okay. Eagles. No, I'm teasing, but it is really an after thought here in Phoenix with the NBA trade trade deadline going on with the Cardinals search for a a head coach coming to a close uh, I do believe that they will make an announcement on Tuesday from what I've heard uh, on the coach so this and the information that came out yesterday with Terry Bradshaw was funny and well, which we'll and talk sad. about in the next segment yeah, by the, the way next yeah. Segment. so yeah it's it's it is unfortunate this is a week that you know the biggest game for the NFL is on but in this market there is just a lot of other things going on as well yeah I don't even know if I'd say it's unfortunate. It just it's it is what it is. We just have a, you know. And today, honestly, you and I and Mitch and Eric, we were talking about the show. We we left today's show as wide open as we could because we didn't know what what, what Matt Ishbia was going to say. We didn't know. Not that we thought it was going to be a bad press conference, but we were just curious to see what sort of indications we got about the future and where this was going to go. Tomorrow is the trade deadline. This off season is going to be a big one for this organization. One of the big questions for Matt today as he had his introductory press conference. What is your willingness to expand the luxury tax? Here's what he said. I feel like we can compete right now with exactly what we have. With that being said, you know, my belief system is about how do we focus on winning? How do we can we can we improve our chances of winning a championship? Can we do things to make sure that but I'm not just a short-term thinker. I'm also a long-term thinker. Right? I'm going to be here for 40, 50 years. You guys are going to get sick of me. I'm going to be around a long time. And so I know you can't win every single day, but we're going to try. And so uh, we are very active, and uh, the way we look at it is, how do we improve our team? I'm not going to be sitting here seeing, counting the dollars. So, again, enthusiastic, but very vague. Yeah. Very vague. I mean, listen, you don't want to come out and, and rock the boat with all the other owners, too, right? I mean, you can't come out and say, we'll go, we'll go $100 million over the damn luxury tax. We're going to show the rest of you owners. You don't want to do that because there's a lot of owners that aren't doing that. Okay? There's a lot of owners a good point. that are not spending that type of they money. Just they just let you into the, your little club. You don't right. want to show them up on day and one, that's right? That's exactly it. Yeah. It's 100% it. He may go over the luxury tax by a lot, but he's certainly not going to brag about it on day one Well, all these other owners are like, look at this idiot. You know, because now everybody's going to want an owner like that. So he can't come out and say that because then every other market who has an owner that doesn't want to go into the luxury tax, and he's sitting like, really, dude? Like, really? Like, okay, because now everybody's hearing hearing that, and everybody thinks that I'm a, you know, I'm a schmuck because I'm not spending the money this guy spent. Why don't we have managed me as our owner? Why do we have you, you putz? I don't want you. So that's the reason why. I mean, he's got to be very careful here. Uh, he just got he just got into that new exclusive club. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to tell the 
he knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows what his budget's going to be. He knows if James comes to him and says, I need to increase the payroll by $10 million, but that's going to cost us $20 because of luxury tax. He knows whether he'll do it or not. He just is not going to go out there in public and tell everybody that on day one. And it's a really good point. And, and, and I didn't think he was going to do that today, but obviously for me, that was the number one question I had. Are you going to be Steve Ballmer? Are you going to be Joe Lacob? Are you going to be, you know, those are the two biggies, Joe Sy of the Brooklyn Nets. Those are the three that when you think of owners in the NBA who just do not give a damn about the luxury tax and just want to spend whatever it takes, is he going to go that far? Does he fall somewhat short of that, but he's still aggressive? He later did an appearance with Wolf and Luke, talking about Matt Ishbia, and he kind of emphasized a little bit on the fact that the Phoenix Suns, the way they're built right now, are already contenders. I want to increase the probability of winning champions. What can we do to get a little bit better? What can we do to improve that opportunity? And so, uh, you know, spending is not the thing I'm sitting here thinking about. What I'm thinking about is winning, and how do we win? And if we can get an opportunity to win and put our team in better position, not just short-term, though, long-term. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to throw away the future for today, but at the same time, I want to win today, I want to win tomorrow, and in the future. And so how do we do that in the most intelligent way? And, uh, that's my philosophy, and that's what we're digging in, and I know I got, you know, you know about a day left uh, if we want to make any changes. So I'm, I'm heavily involved with that, and excited to, uh, you know, either um, make a move or at the same time continue to find ways to improve our team. Again, very vague. Very vague, nothing specific. Can't say it. Can't say it. You know, um, I, I would love for a little bit more specificity on that. You know, I'd love to but hear. You'll see it when it happens, and then you'll know. You know, you'll know. Like, when it happens, the trade deadline comes up. Do they add salary? Because yeah, they're already over the luxury tax. They're already, what, $17 million over? And I that's think a, so. And I think that's a $36 million, million, million dollar bill. Does yep. that, does he, you know, and again, it's it's not dollar for dollar. Eventually, it's $2 for a dollar, $3 for a dollar, three fifty a dollar. So the more you go, every $5 million you go over triggers another level of payment. And for every $5 million you go up, there's another level of what you have to pay. And so, again, he may do it. He may not do it. Um, we'll see when it happens. Like, you, like you know, so you just mentioned three guys. Three, we know those guys are big luxury taxpayers. Yeah. So you'll know if your owner is a big luxury taxpayer or not. But he certainly doesn't want to come out and tell the world what he's going to. No, do. and of course, all of this relates to tomorrow, one o'clock in the afternoon, is the trade deadline in the NBA. Uh, the Suns, you cannot, you cannot go online and start reading rumors about the NBA trade deadline without reading a half dozen of them about the Phoenix Suns. They are one of the most talked about teams in the NBA going into. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's deadline. Um, one thing that is inescapable about about Ishbia taking over today is that this was time so he could be in a position to approve something before the deadline. This was pushed through a little faster than it normally is to get Ishbia in this position of power so that he's there to approve something. Does that mean something's coming around the corner? Not necessarily, but just the fact that it was rushed means to me that there's at least a chance of the Suns doing something very significant tomorrow, and they wanted to make sure they had the proper owner in place to be able to approve such a thing. Uh, it, it, to me, it just increases the chances that something significant happens tomorrow. We might get to tomorrow and nothing happens, but in case you have a chance to, you've got to have Matt Ishbia in place to sign off on it. You a, have to. A, a Jay Crowder trade did not need Matt no. Ishbia's permission, but... 
for your to your sake, if you're going to add a player with four year contract at thirty, thirty five, forty, forty five million dollars a year, then yeah. I mean there's no way the NBA would have wanted to be in that position where there isn't a, there's no real owner and the Suns are about to add 250 million dollars in salary on a player over the next 5 years you know 150 million or whatever it is they didn't want to be in that position so they made sure they weren't by pushing this thing through yep much more from Matt Ishbia his not only his introductory press conference but his appearance with Wolf and Luke following that press conference as we react to the Phoenix Suns and their new owner and what it means again trade deadline tomorrow 1 o'clock in the afternoon Flavortown is pulling up right across the street from the big game this Sunday. Join Guy Fieri, Diplo, and over 20-plus food vendors for the ultimate tailgating party. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Complete details and your chance to win tickets are there. Sean Payton got a lot of headlines this week as the new head coach of the Denver Broncos. One of his Fox colleagues might have provided insight as to why Payton took the Denver job and didn't take the Arizona job. You'll hear next. Burns and Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center and Media Row. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We are live from Media Row, and our coverage here is brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings. We've talked a lot of Matt Ishbia today with his introductory press conference. We've talked a little bit about the Suns and their win last night against the Nets. That's now nine of their last 11. We have not spoken much about the Cardinals and their coaching search because, quite frankly, there's really no news right now. Not the Cardinals coaching search, though I did read on Twitter, Gambo, a couple, excuse me, of their defensive assistants who do appear to be taking jobs in other markets. So maybe some of those guys have been set free. Presumably some of those guys have been set free or they were free to begin with, whatever the case. Um, But a couple of guys under Vance Joseph have taken jobs elsewhere. I'll get everybody caught up on that in just a minute when I look it up. Um, it's still going to be down to Mike Kafka or to Luana Rumo. The Sean Payton stuff yesterday, though, was interesting and troubling at the same set of time, don't you think? I think it was because if I'm if I'm Kyler Murray, man, I've only been in this league for a short amount of time, but man, I mean, I I feel like I got to put a bulletproof vest on. Study clauses in the contract and the prima donna label, and then everything that was said about him when he scrubbed his social media, and he's not worth that type of money, and then you know now coaches don't want to coach the Cardinals because they don't want to work with him. It's like, damn, I mean, is Kyler toxic in some ways? <laughs> like it's not to. You know, I, listen, I don't. It, it's hard to believe that a coach wouldn't take the Cardinals head coaching job because they don't want to work with Kyler. It, it's hard to believe that. There's only 32 of these jobs available. I mean, maybe it is true. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe if, you, if you're Sean Payton, you got a choice like, ah, all right, lesser of two evils, I'll go to Russell Wilson over Kyler Murray. But Terry Bradshaw made it seem like that one of the reasons why Sean Payton was not interested in the Cardinals job was because he didn't want to work with this quarterback. There was a pre-Super Bowl media availability from Fox. They've got the game this year. Uh, an old colleague of ours, Vic Lombardi, he used to be a media guy down here in Phoenix. Absolutely, I remember. Denver. You remember Vic? Yeah, yeah I, sure I remember do. Vic. Yeah, uh, we go way back with him. He asked Terry Bradshaw a series of questions about Sean Payton, and Bradshaw talked about these conversations that he and Sean Payton would have about where Sean Payton would end up. 
And Terry said, you know, I said, you can't go to Charlotte. That's the NFC South. You can't go to Houston. They don't have a quarterback down there, and you don't want to be in Houston. But then it got good. Bradshaw was asked about Peyton coaching the Cardinals and quarterback Kyler Murray. Bradshaw said, quote, he didn't want to work with that quarterback, close quote. And then Vic Lombardi swooped in for the hammer and said he'd rather work with Russ. And Bradshaw laughing, I don't think so, but that's all he's got. He's got no choice. But I'll tell you one thing, he'll get the most out of Russell Wilson, well, his, close quote. His choice was what you said yesterday. I mean, we don't know. There there could be a lot of good openings next year. The Rams' job could be open. The Cowboys' job could be open. The Packers' job could be open. There's, you know, the Washington job. The Tennessee job could be open. There's there's a lot of jobs that could be open next year that are probably better than the jobs that were available this year. We all agree with that. that. That's the option you had. And that might be the option that other guys like Dan Quinn and Brian Flores are taking. Like, I'm better off waiting because I don't like this, I don't like this job. Now, Listen, could be it could be people aren't like 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 the people that are not interested in the Cardinals. Show, the Cardinals are going to hire a coach. I promise you that we'll have a coach this year. You promise somebody will coach this team. You yes. promise. I'm starting to get a little worried about it. You swear somebody will take Michael's money and coach the team. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> but it's possible that some of these coaches didn't want to coach because of Kyler, and some didn't want to coach because of Michael. Because you do you do want to make sure that the owner's committed that he's going to spend the money, and clearly the Cardinals don't spend as much as much money as other teams do, especially in the division. Cash money, not cap money. So maybe it's a combination of both. Well, if I got to deal with that, you know, with an owner, it's not going to you know go over overboard to spend. Then I got this quarterback, I can't win. Whatever it is, there are there are definitely some things that are making. Coaching candidates think twice about the Arizona Cardinals job. There's no question about it. And I don't know if it's a Kyler thing, and I don't know if it's a Michael thing. I, 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 I think it probably depends on the person to a certain extent. I do think the looming jobs next year might be a big part of all of this. There could potentially be some great jobs opening up next year. Some some organizations that typically have great success. Let's call it like it is. The Cardinals are not one of those organizations. It's tough to win with the Arizona Cardinals. It's always been tough to win. And even when they've one, it's been tough to stay there. They don't they don't stay in that airspace very long. They've won what? They've won one playoff game since two. They've won two playoff games since going to the Super Bowl. That was forever ago. Yeah, they won they won two. They with won Carson. They won one with Warner against the Packers. The next year. The next year. Then they lost to the Saints in the game where Kurt Warner right. basically his career ended. And then they won one game under Carson Palmer when they beat the Packers. And then they lost to Carolina. That's it. Two playoff wins in how long has it been since they've been in the Super Bowl? 15 years? 16 years? However long it is? I mean, there's not. So if you're. Now you would think that a coach like a Brian Flores would be eager to jump at the opportunity to be a head coach again in this league. You would think a guy like Dan Quinn. But for a guy like Dan Quinn, man, for as sought after he was during this cycle, he's going to be sought after again a year from now, guaranteed. And if Brian Flores does a great job with the Vikings, he'll be sought after a year from now. Sean Payton wasn't going to go anywhere. So it does allow these guys to be choosy. Um, it is concerning. And I, I don't know I don't know what I'm more worried about. Am I worried that it's Kyler or am I worried that it's Michael? What is it that would have me more concerned? Michael. Probably Michael, right? Because Kyler eventually won't be here. Yeah, because Kyler, you can get rid of Kyler in two years. You can't get rid of Michael. (laughs) Okay? The Bidwell family has owned this, the the, the Cardinals, for a long, long, long time. Forever. Like like what Matt Ishbia said, I'm going to be here for 40 or 50 years. You know, you may get sick of me. 
the bit you, you Michael Bidwell is not going anywhere. Kyler Murray could be gone in two years. You yeah. want to get off a of Kyler, you can get off a of Kyler. So you should be more concerned with ownership than quarterback. You can always change the quarterback. You can't change the ownership. So if Michael is not committed to winning at a level that others are, you know, you got to figure out, can you win? Can you win that way if he's not willing to go to the, with the resources necessary? Now, I do believe Michael wants to win, but Michael also is not... Matt Ishby has got a mortgage company worth billions. Yes. Okay, Michael Bidwell doesn't have that. It's a, it's a family business. He was a former prosecutor. I don't know how much you make as a former prosecutor. But Michael doesn't have all these... Like, Michael owns the Cardinals. Matt Ishby owns a mortgage company. The most successful in the whole country. Matt Ishby is worth about $5.5 billion. Right. Now, Individually, I, he's worth $5.5 yeah. billion. Dollars. And, and, that, and all of that right now is because of the mortgage company. What Michael is worth is due to the, the Arizona Cardinals. The family business. So... It, it is different sometimes with these guys that, like like Michael, compared to somebody that made a lot of money doing something else. That he might not have the... the you could say an organization is worth a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is each year there's a certain amount of money that comes in, and it's a certain amount of money that goes out. And that's the bottom line. That's true. So you can say, okay, but the franchise is worth all that. We're not spending that money. You know, that, that money's not there for you to spend. There's a, the amount that comes in and the amount that goes out. And you've got to determine how much you're going to spend based on that. No doubt. We'll see what the Cardinals end up with when it comes to a coach. We have James Conner on the show a little bit later. Curious to see what the Cardinals running back has to say about all of this. By the way, the two coaches that I was talking about, the Green Bay Packers are expected to hire Cardinals cornerbacks coach Greg Williams. The Texans are going to interview the Cardinals defensive line coach, Matt Burke, for their defensive coordinator job this week. So Matt Burke, the Cardinals defensive line coach, might leave to go be D'Amico Ryan's defensive coordinator in Houston, potentially. So those are two guys off of Vance Joseph's staff. And we've talked a lot about Vance Joseph and their ability to go out and look for other jobs right now, or are they kind of frozen? Those are two guys who are being reported to be in line for other jobs with other organizations. Texas, your thoughts on the Cardinals coaching search of the FanDuel text line. It's open for you right now at 620-620. When we come back, Kevin Durant is the top name on everybody's list of the trade deadline as it gets a little closer. There's two sides to each trade. What the Nets want and what teams don't want the Nets to have. We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. Yeah, we are live from Media Row. Tomorrow is potentially going to be a very big day. It could also be a very quiet day. We've had a little bit of both when it comes to the Phoenix Suns. We're not exactly sure what to expect. Tomorrow is the trade deadline in the NBA. 1 o'clock Arizona time is when the deadline is. Uh, We know how this works. We've been doing this a long time, Gambo. There will be deals that will trickle in after 1 o'clock. Sure. You know, deals that that certainly will happen before 1 o'clock, but we won't learn of them until after 1 o'clock. So just because we get to 1 o'clock and everything's done, that doesn't mean everything's done. Usually by about 1.15, 1.30 or so, we know for sure. No... We're expecting a Jake Crowder trade tomorrow. I, th- I was about to say, nobody knows what to expect. We're expecting a Jake Crowder trade tomorrow. Beyond that, Gambo, nobody knows what to expect tomorrow. Not only for the Suns, around the entire NBA. 
nobody really knows what to expect with tomorrow's deadline. Well, the biggest trade was made already with the Mavericks' ability to acquire Kyrie Irving for Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, and a bunch of draft picks, including an unprotected first in 2029. That was a big trade. Will there be another big trade? Will Collins get dealt? That's a big trade if Collins gets dealt. Will Siakam Van Vliet or OG Ananobi get dealt? That would be a big deal if one of those guys get dealt. I think Jacob Portal in San Antonio, if he gets traded, that's a big deal. There's a lot of other potential minor deals. Does Eric Gordon get dealt? I get that. You know, I mean, Jay Crowder is a minor deal. That's not a big deal if Jay Crowder gets dealt. So I do think there are a few guys out there that if they do get traded there, they would be in that, you know, big trade category, but not a lot of them. Not, not a ton of them. The majority of those guys are also not going to get dealt. There's a huge rumor right now from Sham Sharania, and others have chimed in on it as well, that the Lakers, Jazz, and Timberwolves are in talks on a three-team deal that would send D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers, Russell Westbrook and draft compensation to Utah, Mike Conley Jr. to Minnesota. Shams then followed that up with this report. Ongoing discussions have also included Utah's Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt as part of the potential three-team deal so going to the Lakers. Beasley and Vanderbilt are guys that the Jazz like but don't love. So it would be for the they would take on the Westbrook contract if they get the draft compensation that that they want. I mean, it, right now it really is all about acquiring as many assets as they can for the Jazz. So if they could give up Beasley and Vanderbilt, they would probably do it. But it would have to be for a high haul of draft picks. They're not going to they're not going to give up those guys for second round picks. So it would have to be first round picks that would be coming back to the Jazz because what they're doing is they're doing everybody a favor by taking on Westbrook. Okay. They don't really want Westbrook. Now, the other thing that's interesting is Conley. Conley still, you know, can, you know, he's had two Achilles injuries and he's still been able to play at a pretty high level. He'd be much better in Minnesota than D'Lo would be. Much better. You know, that team, they're forced to try to make that work. Like Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert combination, they're forced to make it work. It would work a lot better. If you got rid of D'Angelo Russell and you brought in a guy like Mike Conley. No, I, I totally agree. And it hasn't worked out very well for them up until this point. Uh, and look, I, I, D'Angelo Russell, don't like him as a fit on too many teams. I think for the Lakers, an idea like they could get a Jared Vanderbilt out of it, you know, that that, that might sweeten the pot a little bit for them and make it worth it for them to bring on a guy the like D'Angelo Russell. Him. The Suns liked Vanderbilt. Jared Vanderbilt. Oh, I remember. That's, yeah, that's why him. his name kind of stands out to me in something like that because I remember you telling me that the Suns liked him. Now, here. Here's something else, and I don't know how much to read into this. I don't know what to make of this. Brian Windhorst apparently at some point somewhere on ESPN said the following statement about Kevin Durant, that the Nets' position on not trading Kevin Durant might change. Quote, that is an interesting development that has happened over the last 48 hours since the Kyrie trade from people that I've talked to, close quote. Again, I don't know where he said it, but I saw the quote on Twitter today, and I'm assuming at some point on ESPN he said those words. Okay, but what is he saying? He's not saying it, he's saying it might change, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not saying, saying it, it has. Change. No, he's just, he's just saying right it might now, change. That, that in the last 48 hours or so since dealing Kyrie, this idea that the Nets are not going to trade Kevin Durant to the deadline, that that might change between now and the actual deadline itself, to the point where Vegas... Gambo, they've got a list of the players that are most likely to be dealt tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Durant, number one. Durant's number six on the list. He's number six. Probably to, to probably get people a bet. No? Yes. I mean, a big name like that just gets people to bet? Probably. 
it's not it's a good point it's not necessarily an indicator of what's going to happen it is interesting though that he made the list it is probably bait at the end of the hook trying to get people to throw some shekels down on that still interesting that he made that list cam reddish was number one on the list by the way og ananobi was two van vliet was three westbrook was four mason plumley was five the first three Kevin guys Durant was six the first three guys i've ruled out for the phoenix suns yes you have og ananobi John Collins and Fred Van Vliet. Do me a favor, rule out Russell Westbrook for the Suns. Too. I'll rule out Russell. Thank you. I appreciate Russell that. Westbrook. Appreciate you doing that. Thank you. Yeah, listen. I mean, you know, there's a lot. There are teams out there. Okay, the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Could they, you know, floundering, trying to make the playoffs? Could they be a team that goes after a Jay Crowder? Could they move a Winslow or a Hart or somebody like that to get Jay Crowder? It's a, I think if Jay gets dealt, it might be to a team that we haven't even discussed or for a, for, to a team we've discussed but not for a player we've discussed. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, one of the big things we're trying to figure out about tomorrow is, okay, the whole question we had yesterday, zero trades, one trade, two or more trades. Well, zero trades, they don't do anything. I find that very difficult to believe. One trade is the Jay Crowder trade. And then two or more would be something beyond Jay, unless Jay is part of a larger trade that involves draft picks and Dario and other players and things Very like well that for a bigger be. fish coming back, in which case it might just be one trade tomorrow. I don't know. Could be that Jay's involved in something bigger than just a one-for-one. One. I mean, I do think that that's possible that that's what happens with Jay because, look, he hasn't been dealt. He's an expiring contract. Dario's an expiring contract. Teams looking to trade a player that has some money. They're going to want you know draft pick compensation back but i don't i don't know like if you're the suns again you get let's go back to the draft pick compensation you don't really want to give up first round picks if you think you've got a shot at you know getting kd or lebron or somebody like that next year you don't want to give up uh, a first round draft pick two first round draft picks you want to hold on to those get to the summer and then and the other thing is with everybody back now and them playing well it may lessen the burden to want to do a bigger deal now it, it may lessen that burden. They've won, what, 9 out of 11? Yes. They're playing good basketball. They just got booked back. They might feel like, you know what, we're playing good. We are not. We don't have to make a big move right now. They might. Um, uh, and and when I say make a move, I mean, understand, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be a blockbuster kind of deal tomorrow. I, I You know me and how I feel about the trade deadline, Gambo. I, I've been pretty consistent about this, really, over the last couple of years. We've been doing the show together for 12 years. But the last couple of years, you... You know I have been a big advocate for the Suns to add insurance pieces at the deadline, to, to change the di- – and I, and I think, honestly, not to pat myself on the back, I think both of the last years I've kind of been proven right. You know, the year they went to the finals, they could have used a backup big to help them with their depth when they played Milwaukee. They didn't know it at the time, but – in hindsight, they could have used that guy. Last year, they definitely could have used an Eric Gordon type of scorer to help them out in the playoffs when Chris Paul was ineffective and Devin Booker was being double teamed every time down the floor. In the moment, they didn't need it. In retrospect, they did. I just don't want them to look at everything and go, hey, you know what? We've won nine of our last 11. Aiton's playing great. Booker's back. Everything's awesome. We don't need to do a thing 
because it's been that we don't need to do a thing mentality that, quite frankly, I think has burned them the last two years. I think they needed to do more, even though in the moment they could look at it and go, we're good. What do we need? We're fine. Everything's okay. Maybe now you are, but you got to prepare for emergencies that haven't happened yet. That's what I want to see them do tomorrow. It's always what I've wanted them to do with the deadline. They haven't really done it the last couple of years. But I don't know. I mean, do you think that there's a player they could get that's a role player that would make the difference in a seven-game series against the Denver Nuggets? Did we think that last year against the Dallas Mavericks? There there could have been been a player that would have helped. Book and Chris got shut down. Yeah. A player to help out when Book and Chris get shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I do. I, I, you, I, I get you, what you're saying, but they still lost. They lost those They lost those games by a lot of points. Well, because Chris was blown out. I think it was so ineffective, and Devin Booker was double teamed the whole time. Chris was useless by the end of that series, and everybody knew it, and they weren't prepared for it. They weren't prepared to deal with that. You bring somebody in now, they've got 30 games to kind of get adjusted, figure out. Listen, I, James will always look for scoring. They'll always look for. I think that you know if they if they could have their choice of any one player, I think they'd want a big def- you know, defensive minded wing that could shoot the ball a little bit. Those three and D guys are hard to get, but I think that they lean much more towards a wing player or a power forward than they do a guard because it's it's hard to sit there and say that you know you can bring in a guard that's going to play when you're in the playoffs and Chris Paul and Devin Booker are playing all those minutes. I just look at their bench. And I think it needs to be fortified a little bit. Listen for your name every day this week for your chance to win tickets to Super Bowl 57. Text the word SUPER to 620-620 to register. Once you hear your name, call in within the time frame, and you could be headed to Super Bowl 57. Plus, you'll win tickets to the following events as well. The FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 620-620. The trendy name as of late for the Cardinals head coaching job is Giants OC Mike Kafka. There's good reason for that. Why is he trending? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, live from the Phoenix Convention Center at Meteor Row. Our Meteor Row coverage brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 5.7% on your retirement savings as we are live from Meteor Row, downtown Phoenix, the Convention Center. Lots of radio shows, lots of TV sets surrounding us here. Big gathering of media. It's good to see old friends, people we haven't seen in a long time. And, of course, one of the questions we get asked a lot, what's going on with the Cardinals coaching search? And as of right now, it's two candidates. There's, I suppose, another possibility here, mm-hmm. and that at this point, if you've waited this long, could you possibly wait another couple of days? Probably to not. Talk to the Eagles guys or the yeah. Chiefs people if you wanted to. I would doubt it. Why wouldn't you have talked to them in the previously? If you, unless you're on, unless these other two guys come to you and they tell you no in the next week, you know what? On that, then you're down to none, and you got to go back to the well again. Yeah, I mean, oh, if, just for a second, Kafka. Just decides, you know what? I'm kind of happy where I am with the Giants. I'm going to stay here. And Lou Anarimo Rumo says, you know what? I'm good where I'm at right now. Then, then, then you've got no choice. You've you got to reopen up again. Even for Yeah, with the Cardinals, second? can I imagine? Sure. Could you Is there anybody listening imagine? that can't imagine that? Yeah. I mean, it's been how many candidates have told the Cardinals no? D'Amico Ryans, no, I don't want to interview. Dan Quinn, no. Cunningham, no. Um, Sean Payton, Sean Payton, no, uh, and Brian Flores, no. Now Brian Flores he interviewed with them, but he didn't interview a second time with them. The, the, look, I, 
The three that concern me the most. Okay, Sean Payton, I get to a, to a certain extent. To Nico Ryan's, I get to a certain extent. He wanted the Texans job, and once he found out he was going to get it, he blocked everything out. It's the three guys the Flores. who turned down the opportunity to yeah. be promoted to stay either lateral or get even slight promotions. Flores could have been a head coach. He was defensive coordinator. Quinn could have been a head coach. He decided to stay as a defensive coordinator. Ian Cunningham could have been a general manager. He decided to stay in as assistant general manager. Those are the three where you go, come on, man, really? I mean, like, now maybe Flores heard he wasn't going to get the job, and so he took the Viking shot. Maybe Dan Quinn knows if I wait around another year, I'll be the coach of the Cowboys, or I'll be the coach of Green Bay, or I'll be the coach of God only knows what. Could be ten different openings potentially. And there, and we, we ran through the 10. list yesterday. It's a good list. It's a good list. Yeah. It's potentially a really good list, depending on what happens. So it's still a bad look. Now, the two candidates we know about are Lou Anarumo, you mentioned defensive coordinator with the Bengals, and Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator of the Giants. Um, you're reporting on Kafka from last Friday, suggesting that they really, really liked him. Obviously, is reinforced by the second interview that he, was it today? Was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday he was supposed to have his. Today's Wednesday, right? Yes. Today was supposed to be Flores. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Yesterday was supposed to be Kafka. Friday is supposed to be Anna Rumo's second interview. Kafka's getting a lot of love, Gambo, a lot of momentum. Um, I don't know if it's the Kyler Murray thing. I don't know if it's because he comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree and the Chiefs are here and we're hearing Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes say great things. Our friends over at Revenge of the Birds did a really nice story um, just focusing on Kafka and what he's done with the New York Giants this year offensively, how he fixed a seemingly broken Daniel Jones this year as the offensive coordinator. I got to admit, it was a very convincing argument the way they portrayed it with the work that he's done with the Giants. Very convincing. Yeah, I mean, it's it was impressive what he did with, with Daniel Jones. And then obviously being from that Andy Reid tree, you went, all, you went over all the guys that came from the Andy Reid tree yesterday, being in Kansas City. Mahomes had good things to say about him. Reid had good things to say about him. I mean, it looks like it'd be a decent hire. It's going to be a first-time head coach. It's, you know, the the, the unfair comparison will be that people will compare him to Cliff. That's completely unfair. They're two completely different guys. Uh, Cliff was a failed college coach, offensive mind, and younger. And, and Kafka is a guy who's been in the NFL for a few years now. Is now is he is he been in because of the age and because he hasn't been in the league for twenty years? He probably couldn't build a staff all by himself. Okay, hasn't been in the league long enough as a coach to know everybody to put a staff together, so you may lean on him, uh, on on others to help you build that staff. That's why Vance Joseph could still be in play. But if he's a great offensive mind and you figure that there's a lot of investment in Kyler Murray, you can get the most out of him and still have a good defensive coordinator, I kind of see that that's probably the way they're going to go. Yeah, I, it, the fact that Vance Joseph is still under contract, uh, it's just now, could he be the D.C. under Lou Anarumo? I mean, I suppose he could be. The two were on the same staff together with the Dolphins when the roles were reversed. Vance Joseph was the defensive coordinator, and Anarumo was the secondaries coach. So they obviously know each other. Could they work together on the same staff, albeit with the roles reversed? I mean, I, I suppose they could. But it does feel like, with Vance Joseph still around, that Kafka becomes kind of the guy, potentially. Um, just because of the importance of getting Kyler fixed. I just hope 
Clippers. Here's okay. You're right. It's not fair to compare him to Cliff, and it's not fair to say they're in the same situation or they're the same coach. They're not. Their resumes are very, very different. Yes. I just hope his personality is different than Cliff's, because it, it's as much as we want to get Kyler Murray fixed, and as much as he needs to get fixed, this team needs more than just fixing Kyler Murray. That is not the end of the job description for the next coach yeah, of the Cardinals. You're 100% right. You need it's, a guy who's going to come in here and say, I'm the man. I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm not here to be coach bro, right? I'm not here to so we can have a nice, light training camp and y'all will like me at the end of the day. You need a guy who's got a little bit of red ass in him, right? You got you need a guy that comes in here a little bit and and makes people uncomfortable and makes people do things they don't want to do, and and I, I tell you, he might have things in common with Cliff Kingsbury. He better not have that in common with Cliff Kingsbury. If they do, they're making a huge mistake. Behind the chances them. of those guys having the same personality are very slim. It's very slim that they would have the same personality. Based off of what? Just it's just because people are different. Just people are different. It's not just it's not black and white. One guy's a hard ass and one guy's a coach pro. It's there. There are different levels of that. You know, um, I'm sure that he's. I, I would be very surprised if he came off like Cliff. So. I don't look. I don't know Kafka. The only thing we know is what Reed said about him, Mahomes said about him, his track record of what he's done with the two organizations, Kansas City and the Giants, that he's worked with, and it's a pretty good resume. Now, Anarumo is a, a very impressive guy too. Sure, that's one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's a great second half, you know, adjustment defense. So, is he ready to be a head coach? Could he come in and you know do the job? I. Again, I think by Tuesday this is all wrapped up. I don't think they'll reach out for others. If any one of these guys pulls themselves out of the running before then, then it's basically okay. That's it. You know who the coach is going to be right now. No, I mean that's the the process of elimination. If one guy just well, Kafka decides he's going to stay with the Giants, then okay. Anarumo's your coach. You make that sound like it's a good thing. Hey, you know what? If one of these guys pulls out, we say, okay, we know who the coach is going to be. Yeah, you know what else it means? Somebody else pulled out. <laughs> that, that, that to me would be a far worse scenario well, than is. knowing who the next coach is going to be. You know what? You learned a lot about this process, and usually you think that every job is such a great job. There's only 32 of them, and man, people don't look at it that way anymore. I, they I, just don't look at it like that, that anymore. That is the most, that is the takeaway from all of this, is we learned a lot about this organization and this team and their perception during this process. And it has not been particularly enlightening. Well, it's been enlightening. It just hasn't been positive enlightening in terms of how this job seems to be viewed. There have just been too many people who have told them no. Too many people who have said thanks but no Right, thanks. and I don't know if that happens 10 years ago. These, you know, these opportunities are so rare and they're so prestigious to be a head coach in the league to to have guys that don't want the job. I mean, that's you know, I I'm still taken aback by that and having a hard time understanding it. I know. But if I take anything out of this process, that's what I've learned. Is the next big domino about to fall in the NBA trade market? In fact, there could be three big dominoes about to fall in the NBA trade market. That's and everything going on in sports. Four o'clock reset is next here on Burns and Gambo.